Good afternoon and welcome, of course, to today's podcast brought to you by Equine Devil's Advocate. Yes, we actually have some very exciting news for you today. Well, semi-exciting, anyway. Um, Our podcast has been approved and accepted by YouTube. Hurrah! Thank you to YouTube. Um, It does seem to be struggling to upload the previous episodes, Um, so we're doing our best to get those ones on there. But if you want to start listening on YouTube, it will start from the second part of Dennis the Menace. The website will, of course, remain the same for your correspondence, which is www.equinedevilsadvocate.com to retain your privacy, of course. And uh, we are still on Podbean, Facebook or Spotify. And, of course, not forgetting that you can leave your comments on Podbean. They are public and Facebook public or Facebook private. And, of course, now on YouTube as public as well. And we do, of course, welcome your correspondence because we are, after all, truly a platform for discussion and debate and, of course, some stories along the way. Now, today, there will be, of course, more of Dennis the Menace, but we're still actually going to run with a question about thoroughbreds, the hot stuff camp of the surprising thoroughbred, the biscuit camp of the extraordinary thoroughbred, and the choir camp of those that are just utterly, utterly different. The reason being that there was actually more correspondence over the weekend, um, and it came after we had published on Friday. But there are two in particular that are really, really good. So I'm going to read them to you now. Uh, normally, I know this would be Friday follow-up theme, but I think they're actually really beneficial to the overall discussion and perhaps didn't ought to wait till this Friday, as they're actually very encouraging. So, here goes. Now, this is from somebody that says, Hi, I am Team Racing. Whilst this is a controversial topic, I applaud you for bringing it up. I own an off-the-track thoroughbred, and he is by far the best horse I have ever ridden. And I have ridden some big equestrian and junior hunter warm bloods before. When I first met my horse Wiley, I honestly thought he was a warm blood. Huge knee movement and very scopy with lots of chrome. Anyway, that's beside the point. Without horse racing, I would have never had the chance to meet such an incredible horse who proved my perceptions on thoroughbreds to be wrong. I didn't like off-the-track thoroughbreds at all. Though, if the entire racing industry were to be eliminated, millions of people would be jobless, millions of horses would be out of home, and this would impact the economy hugely. While some accidents do happen on the racetrack, it's not like the hunters or jumpers are perfect either. Mistakes happen there too. Horses get injured. For instance, example, when Eric Lamise's Hickstead tragically died in the ring after his round. I am not bashing the hunter or jumpers, but my point is accidents are bound to happen when horses are doing such highly athletic things. I'm not going to be able to explain all of it here, but I recommend watching Shelby Dennis's video on the racing industry. She really goes in depth. 
Thank you again, and please always keep an open mind until you know a lot more about it to make a decision. Without this sport, no thoroughbreds would exist. Therefore, many people would never have met their heart horses like me. And then she says, thank you. Yeah, I think that's absolutely brilliant. Um, I do obviously know about Hickstead. I think a lot of people know about Hickstead. And um, I love the expression about chrome. We do like a bit of chrome over here, but we tend to attribute it to um, our fancy cars and motorbikes. Um, but I love it in connection with horses. And also, yes, I have heard of uh, Shelby Dennis, although I don't know her, but I've heard good things so many many thanks for that one and also the next one is totally the flip side but just as relevant so here we go this one's from somebody who describes herself as of a younger generation who'd actually never heard of the amazing racehorses that we mentioned she says i have never liked thoroughbreds or racing because i've always been told that thoroughbreds are neurotic I don't know who told me that, but somehow I have always just believed it. Racing I have no real interest in, but thought it awful, probably because of a Facebook friend who often posts about how bad it is and puts up photos of big screens around horses that are on the ground. I didn't know about the painting, We Three Kings either, but thank you to your podcast because now I know more. I watched some of Desert Orchid and Red Rum in their races and now I know that sometimes the screens are up because the horses are just winded and need to be kept quiet to recover. I won't say I'm a fan now, but I am a bit more open-minded, especially about thoroughbreds themselves. There is a horse I know well. He is sweet and gentle and easy to ride. Now I know he is an ex-racehorse which I would never have guessed. Thank you for helping me to be more open-minded. Well, that's brilliant. And thank you to both of you for actually coming forward and putting your thoughts forward. We really do appreciate it. And in fact, there's a couple of little interesting facts for you. Um, one of them is that Red Rum actually won on the flat as a two-year-old. And he did, in fact, pass away at the ripe old age of 30. And, of course, won the Grand National three times and was second twice and then also desert orchid talking about screens fell in a hurdle race when he was three years old and he lay on the ground for some 15 20 minutes before he decided to get up um and i believe his owner was told that that would probably finish him in terms of his confidence and he probably wasn't any good at all anyway sometimes it's great to be wrong and also he, in fact, passed away at the ripe old age of 27. Now, that doesn't mean that they all get the same opportunity to shine or even get the best of care their whole lives. But, you know, as our first correspondent said, that is not unique to the racing world. So um, the topic is still open for your thoughts and questions and experiences. And I say again, really important the Horse Racing Integrity Act. Get behind it, support it, back it, get it through legislation and make it law. It can only be a good thing. And now, let us move on to Dennis, the menace. 
Ah,、uh, yes. Now, where were we? I am on board this seventeen-hand superfit athletic long-legged liver chestnut, poised, elevated, and alert, soaking in the sights and activity all around him. The hunt meet. Now on Friday, I left you at the point where I felt the need for a little draught of plum wine that was being offered on the village green amongst the hunt supporters. Okay, Dennis, let's get wine. I said as I sat very still, patting him gently on the neck. Well, Dennis marched off smartly with springs on his feet, thankfully in the desired direction. He felt like a trampoline, this huge, purposeful, springy walk strides, and we went to join the meet. I glanced at the owner and the trainer, who were following up behind me, and needless to say, both were looking a tad nervous. Nevertheless, we strode onto the green, and many people stopped in their conversation to admire Dennis. I could hear them say, "Wow." Gosh, that's a nice horse! Oh God, look at that horse! And once again, Dennis stood perfectly square and immobile, elevated, and soaking in the atmosphere from his lofty, superior outlook. Plum wine was approaching. Now, why wine in the middle of the morning? You might ask. Well, I can guarantee it's not to get plastered. No, it does somewhat come under the heading of Dutch courage. I don't actually really know where that expression came from, and I must find out. Anyway, no, it's actually a tiny amount, and it's very warming. It's sort of rich and fruity, but you can feel it sliding down your throat into your stomach, instantly providing a sort of warm glow. But also, when sat on something so poised. Elevated and athletic, as I said, physical tact is vital, as it can all go horribly wrong very, very quickly. And that warm wine feeling is actually very centering and grounding and relaxing. I was handed a small glass and I drank it and handed it back without incident. Gosh, he is so beautiful," said Plum Wine Lady. Thank you," I replied, to both her compliment and the wine. By now, the meet was building in numbers, and all were congregating: more horses and more people, and Dennis, still standing, square and immobile, poised and striking, almost like he was posing for an artist to prepare his easel. Then someone caught my eye. They were approaching us. It was the field master, or actually mistress, I should say, on this occasion. This is the person in charge of leading and keeping the field in order. Dennis and I, of course, now are members of the field. As she approached, I noticed her expression, and she did not exactly look friendly or welcoming. She almost looked a bit sort of displeased. Oh, I thought. Quick mental check of my wardrobe, boots, yeah, polished, still very shiny, breeches, white, yes, but that's fine, and at least they're pristine and clean at the moment. 
jacket, navy wool, red lining. That's okay, buttons all done up properly, the right way. Stock, yes, neat, not untidied and flapping around and my stock pin is still there and hairnet, yes, all my hair still tamed and stuffed in it. My earrings are small and discreet. Hmm, I thought, as closer she came. Her head didn't move, but her eyes were scrutinising Dennis from top to bottom. Up and down they went. It was really rather ominous. And then she spoke the most perfect rendition of the Queen's English. Do keep it away from the hinds, won't you? Ah, uh, I thought to myself under my breath. She doesn't like thoroughbreds. I smiled inanely. There wasn't much I could do, really, given that they were all milling around everywhere. Now, I know exactly why I needed wine. Because, of all things, a field master who has taken an immediate offence to our very existence. Really? <sighs> I muttered under my breath, Dennis, keep your tongue under control, and I will too, for that matter. And also, fair enough, it would of course be very bad form for Dennis to stand on, or even worse, kick one of the hounds. No, we'd be instant pariahs in that situation. But before anything further could happen, luckily, the moment came and the horn sounded for the move off. Dennis marched off again on springs with just a little pat and a... We made our way off the village green onto the country lane. Led, of course, by the fieldmaster. Protocol. Don't squash her, bump her, impede her, and do not get in front of her. On the lane, she set the pace. A good trot. Dennis? Trot? No. Passage is far more elegant and a much easier way to cover more ground. A better mode of travel for those springs that had replaced his legs. He felt amazing. But there it was again, the fieldmaster's scowl, that look of disapproval. If it's going to be a problem, you should take it home. <sighs> I smiled inanely again and said, Hold your tongue, Dennis. I am holding mine. Deep breath. <sighs> After about a mile or so of exquisite passage from Dennis, the field suddenly came to a halt, and thankfully, so did Dennis. The field master was listening to horns and hounds from some way in the distance. Then she turned her horse across the lane, for there, directly to my right, was a hunter jump. It was three solid wooden rails between the hedges on either side. In front of it, a grass verge of about one stride, and on the landing side, a drop of about two foot into a ploughed field. So only, in truth, about four strides in total from the lane to take off. Now, Fieldmaster's horse was a very smart traditional little hunter type, a really handsome little gelding, bright bay with black points and a white star. 
and, of course, immaculately turned out, not a hair out of place, as, of course, was Field Master herself. A very smart Harris tweed jacket with a gold lining, very fitted around her slightly portly frame and ample bosom, beige breeches and immaculately mirror-polished boots. She was listening to the hounds and the horn again, and then she turned to me, I was standing not too far from her on the right, and said, I think you should go round, gesticulated with her hunting whip, that way. Then she gathered her reins, facing forward, and sent her very smart little hunter towards the jump on a perfect stride. Ears pricked, he prepared himself for the obstacle, and at the exact moment of take-off, he stopped dead in his tracks, with which Fieldmaster continued on a fabulous forward trajectory over his head, and her feet simultaneously came backwards out of her stirrup irons and overtook her head in the air. In a perfect arc-like motion, she sailed through the air and over the fence in one single somersault and then landed flat on her back in the plough on the other side of the fence. She lay there imprinted in the ploughed furrows and in fact the only parts of her above ground level were her feet, her ample bosom and the peak of her hat. I have to say I have never seen anyone not even try to save themselves when parting company with their horse. It was like watching a diver launch themselves from the springboard, remain straight-limbed and linear through a somersault and then just completely forget about the rest of the dive. I really do not know how I managed to contain myself and not just absolutely wet myself laughing. Even Dennis did a double take as he stared at her lying there in the ploughed field. Several people swiftly ran to her aid and they caught her horse, who actually seemed quite happy to just stand there wherever he was. They extracted her from her imprint in the plough and hoisted her back over the rails and then hoisted her back onto her horse. The whole of her back, of her beautiful Harris tweed jacket, was absolutely caked in mud. She moved out of the way of the fence and went further down the grass verge. And, you know, at that point, something just came over me. It seized me and took over. And I lined Dennis up to that fence and I put my leg on and I clicked. And now, now I understand the meaning of blood in the blood horse. That short distance from brain to rider. Dennis was sensational. I looked at the verge in front of the fence, exactly the point at which I wanted his forefeet in takeoff. And then it was like a switch in his head. He just did it. As soon as his feet hit that spot, I looked at the landing exactly where I wanted those front feet to land, which just happened to be in the dead centre of Fieldmaster's imprint. And he just did it. Soon as those forefeet hit the plough, the hind end came down. He engaged 
lifted and turned left with exquisite athleticism. What a delight, what a feeling, what a horse. Oh my God, Dennis, you are just fabulous. The day continued. It was such a great day. Dennis was just amazing. He jumped every obstacle in our path. He was so fabulous to place. You just had to think it. You could put his feet anywhere and he would respond. You could go long, short, on the turn, ditches, banks. It didn't matter. And I kept saying, Dennis, you are just brilliant. We could stop and have breathers and chat to people. He would give other horses a lead over fences if they were a bit uncertain. And we even stopped in the woods for a while to listen to a hunt saboteur who was playing his saxophone in a little glade. And I have to say, he was very, very good. And what of the field master? Well, as things get going, the field can often divide into splinter groups, which is what had happened. I chose to stay well away from Fieldmaster, as not only did I find her offensive, she was also a hazard. But each time I did see her through the day and caught a glimpse of her, she had more mud on her than the last time I had seen her. She had more bits of vegetation and greenery sticking out of her hairnet and less buttons containing her ample bosom. After a few hours, I chose to finish my day there. Dennis had been utterly, utterly sensational, and I didn't want him tired, so I chose to take him back to the lorry. We were walking along the lane. Oh, I think we've got an intruder. That was Koya saving us from an intruder. We are all safe now. Thank you, Koya. And so, yes, back to Dennis. I had decided that was a good point in which to take him home. He was happy, he was relaxed, he was not tired, and so we made our way back along the lanes on a long rain in walk. And I was just full of admiration for him, his lightness, his dexterity, and his bravery, and telling him how fabulous he was, and he had also thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. And who should appear coming around the bend on the lane in the opposite direction? Yes, Fieldmaster, coming towards us. Oh, Dennis, no, I thought, here we go again. Closer and closer she came, looking actually more and more like someone had taken her by the legs and beaten hedgerows with her. All right, Dennis, hold your tongue, I'm holding mine. She stopped in front of us and said, I do like to see a thoroughbred handle itself over timber like that. Well, my God, thank you very, very much, I replied, stunned. Making my way back to the lorry, I thought, how decent, how jolly, jolly decent of her to make a point of saying it. And just when you think a day couldn't get any better, well, hats off to her. And so, please do join us again on Friday. 
And do keep your thoughts on the thoroughbred correspondence coming. You never know, there may be more converts to the qualities of thoroughbred horses. And don't forget, you can join us on Podbean, Facebook, the website www.equinedevilsadvocate.com or now YouTube. So, until then, wherever you are and whatever you're doing, take care and we will speak soon.